This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Fauci, my life-size Fauci doll, all lined up here. He's he's getting uh, excited because he doesn't think the Fauci files are ever going to come. They're ever going to drop. Uh, you know, it's been two weeks since uh, Elon Musk said the Fauci files are coming later this week. And some, you know, if you if you believe in conspiracies, somebody got to him. That's the theory. Somebody got to Musk and mentioned uh, he, he might not want to uh, release all the files incriminating Fauci because, you know, that little car company you have, it's a nice company. You wouldn't want anything to happen to it. That, that rocket company you have, which is sending rockets and satellites into space, it's a nice company. Wouldn't want anything to happen to it. You know, if you release these files, which are going to reflect poorly on many, many people, not just the evil elf, but hey, Musk hasn't let us down yet. Uh, there's been some uh, some uh, questionable moments where uh, there are some people are still banned, suppressed. Some people are being throttled, but uh, we'll give Musk some more time. We'll say, you know, by the end of this month, we better get the Fauci files, Musk, or we're all going to wonder if you have uh, if you've failed us. But uh, we'll see. He looks. He doesn't look nervous enough. I want I want Fauci to be nervous when he's sitting in the green room at NBC or CBS or CNN, which is how he spends his days now that he's retired. I just want to know that he's sweating it out. Uh, but uh, I, that's that's got nothing to do with today. Today, I, I should say yesterday, January 11th, January 11th, my sister's birthday. This had to be the toughest day to be a Democrat. I can't think of a day other than maybe, you know, November 8th, 2016, when Donald J. Trump uh, won. That That's clearly the saddest, toughest day to be a Democrat in this country, at least in recent memory. But yesterday was brutal, which means, of course, I was watching a little MSNBC, watching a little CNN just relishing their pain, their anguish. Uh, They thought they'd made it through that first batch of uh, stolen documents found in Joe Biden's office. They thought they'd got all their talking points from the White House. We played some of them yesterday. We showed you the list, the differences between what Trump did and what Joe Biden did. And Joe Biden, it was just an accident. He inadvertently... Uh, took some stolen uh, classified material and his lawyers who just happened to be, you know, tidying things up at the office. Most people, they hire, you know, cleaning people, cleaning company to come clean, not Joe Biden. He hires lawyers, which the the media didn't really find anything, uh, you know, suspicious about that, that his lawyers were going through his stuff at the, uh, at the office and they found some, you know, couple of classified documents, not a big deal, just a couple of things pertaining to Ukraine when his son was making millions with a phony job in Ukraine. Not a big deal, not nearly as bad as what the orange man did when he took some documents home to Mar-a-Lago, documents which he could have declassified at any time. The president could do that, the vice president can't. They thought they'd weathered the storm. The the people at uh, NBC and CNN said, you are, you know, we made it through. Joe Biden made read off a little statement saying he knew nothing about this. He knew he did not know what was in it. He didn't. His lawyers told him not to even ask what was in the classified documents. 
He took no questions beyond that. Corinne Jean-Pierre tried to discuss it. As usual, it was a train wreck, but they thought they made it through. And what happens, what, two days later? Another batch of stolen classified material. Um, I watched many, many reports and read many, many reports on this. Here's my notes right here on the, on the, on the uh, stolen documents yesterday. It says, more classified documents found. NBC reports. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You want to know more? Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, we'll, we'll play uh, the grilling that cringe John Pierre got yesterday from not just Peter Ducey, but other mainstream media people who are uh, sick of this incompetent press secretary answering none of their questions. But it's an amazing story. NBC, obviously, they're an arm of the Biden administration, reports it. And we have the report and they got nothing. They don't know how many. They don't know what they relate to. And they don't know where they were found, how they were found. The White House is attempting to get ahead of this story, clearly. Uh, uh, Obviously, there was a cover up uh, uh, initially because they found the first batch of documents in his office a couple of days before, six days before the midterm elections, they held them for two months. Uh, that's obviously questionable in and of itself. But uh, we, you know, we played you some of the reports yesterday when they were doing their best to uh, to spin it for the White House, and they had to do it again yesterday because Biden stole some other classified documents. We just don't know where they were, where they are. See, I'm going to guess they're at one of his mansions maybe his oceanfront mansion in Rehoboth or maybe his mansion in Wilmington, Delaware. And if they admit they found them in the home, that would introduce the possibility that there would be indeed a raid on his home, the way there was a raid on Trump's home. And they don't want that man. What a visual, what an optic that will be if the FBI is forced to, uh, to go to uh, Rehoboth Beach and, uh, you know, at the crack of dawn, guns drawn and go through Dr. Jill's underwear draw. They're trying to avoid that. I'm sure they will avoid that. The FBI works for Joe Biden. They've always worked for Joe Biden, even when Joe Biden was out of office. So I don't think we're going to see a raid on any of his homes, but they are going to have to ask, where were these documents? How many? What do they pertain to? And uh, if they pertain to Ukraine or China or somewhere else where his family was selling influence to the uh, vice president's office when uh, Joe was VP, we got a problem. We got a problem. But let's watch NBC. This is my favorite part of these stories is watching these these hacks in the mainstream media report on their guy and attempt to uh, limit the damage. But NBC breaks the story, which makes you wonder they were fed the story clearly. They didn't dig it up. It wasn't good old fashioned uh, investigative reporter work. This was the White House uh, spoon feeding uh, their favorite network and NBC reports on it reluctantly and just leaves you with so many more questions than answers. But these people, again, thought they they had a day in between the two big bombshells. So they thought They'd made it through and they could move on to, you know, spinning things for Pete Buttigieg or, or uh, whatever, the border or whatever. They think that, that they thought they could move on. They can't. 
let's watch as the story broke on uh, NBC. This is, oh, by the way, that's um, Haley, uh, Haley Jackson, I believe, who reports it. I used to think Haley Jackson was really kind of uh, easy on the eyes, you know, attractive woman. She looks at it on TV. Then I saw her in person. Doesn't hold up. She was at the White House when I was there. We were there uh, with the Patriots when they went to the uh, White House after whatever they won the Super Bowl. That was the day uh, we killed Aaron Hernandez. Kirk Minahan and I killed Aaron Hernandez. <clears throat> I've always thought about putting that in my Twitter bio. What do you think of that, Ironhead? Should I have that in my Twitter bio that I killed Aaron Hernandez? Well, norm- yeah. Normally I would say yes, but now you might be looked at as a monster because he was a gay man. That's a good point. And that's how we killed him. In case you were wondering, we had an uh, author on um, who, t- who said that uh, he was gay and it became, and it, it turned out to be true. He was gay, but a judge in one of his hearings said the report that he was gay uh, led to harassment and heckling in prison and he couldn't take it, so he hanged himself. <clears throat> so we, you know, obviously take credit for uh, for for uh, killing this monster, this murderer, who uh, probably murdered more than just his friend. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, the, he got the fate he deserved. But uh, we were at the White House with the Patriots, and we saw her, and uh, it was kind of disappointing. But that's neither here nor there. She's a good reporter, I think. Um, and uh, she handled this story yesterday. The second batch of stolen classified documents in the possession of the former vice president, now president. Let's watch. We've got to get to some news breaking to us just in the last couple of minutes here at NBC News. Aides to President Biden have apparently discovered another set of classified documents, this time in a different location than the office where the first batch was discovered, according to a person familiar with the matter. I want to bring in now the team breaking this story. NBC News White House correspondent Carol Lee, our justice and intelligence correspondent Ken Delaney. And Ken, let me start with you with what we know. Hallie. Aides to President Biden have been conducting an exhaustive search, we are told, of other locations to make sure they've gathered up all the classified documents that went to the wrong place, because if it happened once, it could happen again. And what we're told is that they have found at least one additional batch of classified documents. Now, that's basically all we know. We don't know the extent, the nature of the classification on these documents. We don't know exactly when they were found. And, and again, we don't know whether this was anything more than inadvertent error by whoever was packing the documents as they left the Biden White House. But it's it's significant because it shows that the, the scope of this may be more broad than we first realized. It's just an inadvertent, you know, they just packed up the stuff six years ago and happened to include some top secret documents that that that's my favorite report. This guy, the lady, is the biggest hack of them all. Just a total Biden stooge, a total Russian hoaxer, anything the Biden team wants out there. They feed it to this little this clown. And he's uh, sitting there going, uh, again, we, we don't know if anything really bad happened. We don't know if he did it. He, may, he didn't mean it. <laughs> An inadvertent. Uh, he said in a later report, uh, he, he updated and said, things, uh, uh, documents have gone astray. He said classified <laughs> documents have gone astray. That just, it happens, you know, your lawyers are tidying things up, but this office that you don't even use, this office, which is funded by the Chinese Communist Party, 
See, that's the, uh, that's the big story that they're, uh, that's the elephant in the room they're trying to avoid is looking more, uh, more deeply into the Penn Biden Center, this money laundering uh, operation where the Chinese government gives 54 million to Penn, a, you know, a college, an alleged college. They turn around and give a couple million to Biden and, and an office. But think of that. They're paying for this place, which means they must have some access, some Chinese emissary at some level has access to this office. And that's where Joe Biden stores the highly classified documents that he stole. It's, it's a huge scandal and they're going to do their best. They're going to hope that it, uh, you know, that the people get tired of it, that the, you know, that the media obviously moves on, but consider that they just said, you know, they were doing, it was part of the job to see if they had any other classified documents, which by the way, he took, Again, at least five years ago, at least, what, two, no, six years ago, I'm sorry. He's been out of office, out of the VP's office for at least six years. So he's been in possession of these highly classified documents, which are kept, which some of which were kept in an office, which is paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and we just found more because we're looking around. We're just not going to tell you where we found them. Uh, and I mean, let's be honest, all of his properties are paid for by the Chinese Communist Party or, you know, the you or Ukraine or Russia or various uh, other countries where his son was scheming and scamming and selling influence. But uh, good luck making this one go away. Yesterday, cringe. And, and this is, you know, we're going to get to Buttigieg. We're going to get to how this whole administration was assembled and and why it is so incompetent, why it is just so inept, but cringe John Pierre, the most uh, visible uh, quota hire, a person who has no business in that position as a press secretary, who is just so in over her head. She's now under, under the gun from her, her friends and allies in the media because they're tired of it. They're even the, even the mainstream media hacks, who are doing their best to help the Biden administration are tired of her incompetence. And I mean, I don't even think she's smart enough to obfuscate when she says, I don't know the answer to that. I generally believe it. She doesn't know what's going on, but they went at her pretty good yesterday. This, uh, do we have Ed O'Keefe from CBS? Normally a good, a good, uh, Biden stooge. He's, um, uh, he's a senior White House and political correspondent for CBS. He's been at CBS since 2018. Before that, 13 years at the Washington Post. So you know Ed O'Keefe does not want to trip up his friends in the administration, but uh, I guess he's got a job to do. And he went at cringe pretty hard yesterday. Let's watch. The appropriate way. We're going to ask them because that's our job. I understand, and and my job is to answer your questions. So here we go. Let's go. We ask this is because on like day two of this administration, when he swore all of you in, the president said, "Quote: I'm going to make mistakes. When I make them, I'll acknowledge them, and I'll tell you, and I'll need your help to help me correct them. So you're the one here talking to us about this. That's why we're asking you. So let's just remember that." 
we don't need we don't need to have this we work very well together do. I don't we don't need to have this kind of confrontation ask your question and I will answer well, them the best the reason, that I can part of the reason we're laying that out is because you're laying out your part of the job we're I know, laying out our part of the job, I know but I'm just saying question. that we don't need we to have contention we, we don't need to be contentious with me here the president was asked yesterday but did not answer this part of the question why didn't he or someone in the White House inform the American people when these documents were discovered on November 2nd? Did it have anything to do, because people are asking this part of it, did it have anything to do with the fact that the election was just a few days away? Again, Ed, this is under review by the Department of Justice. <laughs> you know why? You know what's good about that? He knows. Obviously, everybody knows they they held withheld the information till after the election. Yeah, that's, that's obvious. And... Uh, he knows they're starting to make people like him look like chumps. And I mean, starting, they've always made people like him look like chumps and they're not comfortable with that anymore. And I'm be curious to see going to, going forward. Obviously Biden was playing loose, fast and loose with many, many classified documents. And uh, it, it just can't go away. I mean, we know what they did to Trump. We know they raided his home. We know they searched it for whatever it was. 10, 12 hours. We know they went through his closets, his wife's closets. Uh, we know they had a photo op where they spread all the documents on the floor and pretended that's how Trump handled the documents. Well, how do you do it now? I understand Merrick Garland is as corrupt as they come. Merrick Garland is a partisan. He is there uh, to do, uh, to, 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 as the muscle of the Biden administration. But he assigned a U.S. attorney from Chicago to look into this, and it looks like the, the investigation is expanding. How much of it goes public? How much do they tell us uh, going forward about the, you know, the money laundering scheme at the Penn Biden Center or what the documents pertain to? I'm not sure. I know they're going to do their best to cover it up, but it seems like the media is going to do their best to push it. And I'm telling you, lots of people in the media are now uh, speculating that the uh, that somebody somebody out there is done with Joe Biden. We are waiting to see to hear if he is going to announce that he's running for re-election in uh, which would be I don't know less than a year off when the campaigning begins. And let's be honest, lots of people on the uh, on his side don't want him to run again. He obviously, if anybody who's I mean, why would you? He's he's in the throes of dementia. He's 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 as bad a president as we've seen in our lifetime. How could anybody say, yeah, he's the guy going forward? They want to make it clear to him. That's the theory that they got something on him and he should reconsider and he should really just settle for his one term, finish up, do as much damage as he can for the next two years and and hand the mantle to somebody else. Uh, we'll see going forward if indeed there is a uh, there's this uh, clandestine operation to uh, undermine him at some level so that he does not run again. I would understand. I mean, that's the worst nightmare if you're a Democrat, an 82 year old Joe Biden running for reelection an 86 year old Joe Biden in the White House. That is a nightmare. They can't have that. So I think we will see uh, an ongoing effort to make it clear to him that he should settle in and, and, and do his one term and move on. I mean, does anybody think that he's, he could, you know, he would be competent at any, in any way for four more years. How about facing uh, whoever in a debate 
Debating Trump, that'd be bad. Debating DeSantis, that would be a disaster if you're if you're Joe Biden. I mean, you saw him yesterday. He, I mean, talking, reading the script on this subject, he struggled. Going to the border was an embarrassment. Going to Mexico City, he can't do anything without making it very difficult to be a uh, to be a Biden supporter, to be a Democrat, and say, yeah, yeah, four more years, sure, yeah, good, four more years. It can't happen. So maybe that is the bottom line that they are working hard to uh, uh, to undermine him and uh, you know cut him, uh, stop him from announcing his candidacy. I would believe it, but uh, that is not the only reason that uh, yesterday was a really difficult day to be a Democrat. We got a list here, man. We got a list. As you know, yesterday, uh, flights in this country, all the flights were grounded for the first time since 9-11. You know, on the night of 9-11, I was on the air when the planes hit the towers. I was on the air for hours uh, and, and, and obviously watching the whole thing unfold. I took my kids out in the yard that night and said, look up. You're never going to see this again. No planes. No, this is what it looked like, you know, 500 years, 300 years ago, 200 years ago. You looked up and you didn't see any planes and they were young and they didn't really uh, make a big deal of it. But that's that's the way it was. The planes were grounded on 9-11. And since then, there's never been a night, a day where you could look up and not see any planes anywhere. That was the case yesterday morning. And that was the that is the case because um, Pete Buttigieg has made a real uh, a real effort to be the single most incompetent member of Biden's embarrassing cabinet. Here's the here's here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask Democrats, and I know we have some listeners. We I've always had some people who hate listen to me. Is this what you wanted? Is this what you voted for? An administration that is so obsessed with skin color, with sexual orientation, with um, checking boxes. Is that, is that what, is that what you wanted from an administration? Here's what I can't get past. People say this when you're talking about uh, identity politics, people often go back to, it's kind of a cliche, but uh, if you're, uh, if you're going into surgery and your doctor walks in, do you care what color he is? Do you care what gender, sex, what, or, you know, what sexual, who he likes to have sex with? I mean, it's just insane to think that it would ever be a priority. Diversity, equity, inclusion shouldn't, can't be a priority in any line of work where your performance, your, your ability, your talent really matters. I mean, obviously you can have these DEI departments that, you know, in colleges and uh, you could have them in the, uh, you know, department of the interior. You could have these people, obviously, uh, you know, if it's in some worthless department like uh, labor with uh, Marty Walsh, although I think Marty Walsh checks a box as like the one heterosexual white guy who isn't very bright. So he, they need one of those, but if it's some department, which doesn't, affect, you know, the life and death. That's one thing. If you, and another way of asking is if you're on an airplane, do you care what color, what, what sex your pilot is? You want someone to fly the plane. 
you want someone who's uh, really good at the job. It's it, it, it basically puts the lie or, 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 uh, or uh, illuminates the, uh, the flaw of DEI. Why would you want, why would you care about diversity if what mattered was ability skill? And if that skill, that ability is lacking because the priority was skin color or ethnicity, then you would be really uncomfortable with that. If your surgeon came in and you knew he was a quota hire or she was a quota hire, you knew she was hired just to check a box, you'd be pretty nervous. You'd be thinking, can't I have the best surgeon, not that surgeon who is, you know, a guy pretending to be a girl. The priority of this administration, and we've been over it many, many times, is this, this, their vision of diversity, their vision of equity and inclusion, which is why we have someone like Rachel Levine in a high-ranking position in the uh, Health and Human Services a person who was elevated to some phony admiral status. Uh, she was, um, he was, he was a terrible public health official in Philadelphia. He got elevated because he wears a dress because he, he changed his name. That's why, why do you think Sam Britton got the job in the, uh, in, you know, as the, as the, whatever czar of nuclear spent nuclear fuel, big job was making $180,000 a year. Big job. Why? Because he wore dresses. Because he, because he was a freak. They wanted uh, to show just how inclusive they were. It's one thing. Uh, it's one thing if it's, you know, you just put this, this, this weirdo Rachel Levine in, a, in an admiral's uniform and you say, isn't it great? We have a female admiral. And you go, everyone laughs and you move on. When you do that with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, when you do that with the Department of Transportation, you know what you get? You get an entire country where the planes are grounded. They weren't grounded yesterday in, uh, you know, in, in Europe. They weren't grounded in Iran or, or North Korea or China or Japan. They were grounded here. And they were grounded, I believe, because we have lost our way. It is a remarkable when you think about it. the Department of Transportation under this little boy mayor. Pete Buttigieg, a guy who is busy jetting around on private planes to, to, uh, to speak to groups about diversity and equity. Hell, last week, after we found out that he was uh, taking a lot of private flights on the taxpayer's dime, he took a private jet to New York to go on the radio show and to meet with the ACLU. So he's the head of the Department of Transportation, kind of an important job. And he takes a day and a private jet to meet with the ACLU and talk about racist roads. We'll get to that. This is a guy who, when he took the job, he talked about nothing but race, uh, you know, equity and diversion, diversity and inclusion. That's all he talks about. That's all he cares about. But this, this outfit has 58,000 employees and a $23.5 billion budget. They allocated $1 billion to fix the racist roads and bridges. You think it's a joke, right? It's a joke, racist roads. No, it's not to him. And he wants to take a billion dollars of taxpayers' money. They have a, in their budget, they have uh, $20 million to lead Department of Transportation's effort to promote equity and inclusion. As we know, one of his first priorities was to change the, the acronym 
uh, it, it used to be notice to airmen when they when they uh, ground planes or or, or make, take some action about the air, air all the airplanes. They he changed it to notice to air mission. Notice to air mission. So you tell me, do you think when they're hiring pilots, when they're hiring you know, air traffic controllers, anybody, anything that in the scope of the Department of Transportation, do you think they only look at merit? Do you only, only look at talent, skill? Do they think they only try to hire the best people? Or do you think this, this, this guy, this, this child who runs the department, whose qualifications are, he was a terrible mayor of a small Midwestern city. That's it. And I know people say, oh, he went to Harvard. So what? Harvard, the dumbest people go to Harvard. The, the people <laughs> who are mo- most obsessed with these irrelevant criteria go to Harvard. We have we've pointed that out many, many times. Joy Reid went to Harvard. Uh, that, that means nothing. He worked for the Kinsey Institute. Again, that's not a good thing. That's a guy who is uh, who, who is full of himself, who thinks he's smarter than anyone in the room, but has no common sense. So see, pop up on the screen for me that uh, that uh, document from the Department of Transportation. I believe uh, John, our friend John Cardillo tweeted this out yesterday, but it's an amazing um, thing. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, this is the the uh, mission statement. I'm not sure exactly what they call it. This is um, the the DOT and FAA's focus in their 2023 budget. This is in the budget, the 23.5 billion dollar budget, and it is one item after another pushing equity, inclusion, diversity. Again, not some some social club. This is the Federal Aviation Administration in, 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 in charge of making the planes and trains run on time, making sure our transportation system runs on time. If you don't, if you don't fire Buttigieg at this point, then no one in the cabinet will ever get fired. No uh, official in the Biden administration will ever lose his job because he has overseen in less than, what, a year? One disaster after another, the, the, the uh, supply chain disaster, the, the uh, Amtrak strike, one thing after another. And when you hear him speak, you realize he doesn't, he has no focus on the real problems. He, he still talks about this insane, advancing this insane radical agenda about making sure that people who check boxes are advanced up through the system. And I think the result is this. Uh, in the budget, uh, the budget requests uh, an additional $20 million above the 2021 enacted level for the office of the secretary to lead DOT's efforts to promote equity and inclusion. Uh, DOT would better ensure the historic investments uh, deliver resources and benefits equitably, including communities that have been historically underserved and adversely affected by persistent poverty and income inequality. Uh, DOT actions include workforce development, disadvantaged business enterprises, data collection, reporting, uh, and assistance measure assistance measures mitigating or negating the effects of structural obstacles to building wealth. 
What does that have to do with Department of Transportation? $15 billion in discretionary budget authority for the FAA uh, to improve certain things. In cybersecurity, that's good. Infrastructure, that's good. These investments also promote environmental justice and climate change mitigation and, uh, and enhance equity through more inclusive contracting and workforce development. This is, again, the Department of Transportation, which is supposed to make the planes take off on time. And it's one item after another about advancing equity and inclusion. And it just, I wasn't at an airport yesterday. I didn't have a flight canceled. If you did, and you're a Democrat, you voted for this. This is the priority. This is what they do. This is what they care about. Even when it comes to making sure our, our oh, by the way, perhaps the best story of all was the Amtrak train stuck in South Carolina for 37 hours and the passengers weren't allowed to get off. And they were, they were like, I, I don't even know the, the, why they, what they attributed it to, but this happened this week also as our, our little boy, um, uh, transportation secretary was, was talking about diversity and equity. The trains don't run on time. The planes don't take off. That's his job. He gets paid a lot. He gets to use private planes. I mean, let's, let's face it. He was on paternity leave during one crisis for like six months. Another time he was in Portugal, you know, probably on a taxpayer funded jet with his husband and his new kids in Portugal. You know, a guy like this, there should be no vacation. It's a big job. Here's another one. We get the video of him when the SUV dropped him off a mile from the office so he could get off and ride his bike into the office and pretend that he was, you know, he was doing the right, the green thing and, and biking to work when in fact he, <laughs> right there, that's all you need to know about this fraud. Just a total phony completely and utterly incompetent, inept. I don't care where he went to college. He's a terrible transportation secretary and millions of Americans had to pay the price yesterday because he is inept, but he won't lose his job because you know, it's important. He likes men. That's what's important. That's why he got the job. That's why he keeps the job because he's married to a man. That's the point we've reached. The Secretary of Transportation got the job and he will keep the job because he is married to a man. That's the priority of Joe Biden and the Biden administration. And that's what you voted for if you're a Democrat. I got, I got, I got more. I got a whole list of things that happened yesterday that I'm going to ask my friends who voted for Biden. Is this what you wanted? I'm just getting warmed up. Let me do uh uh, let's get to our sponsor. Then we're going to get to the list of things that Democrats voted against yesterday. You won't believe it. And, and we have an excerpt from Spare. That would be Harry, Prince Harry's book. It is worse. It is more cringy and uncomfortable and, and just insane than you imagine. This guy has lost his mind. Today's Callahan Show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com, use code word Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, for huge discounts. For example, the standard MyPillow, normally $69.98, is only $19.98 with code word Jerry. 
MyPillow's made in the USA comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you'll ever sleep on. It makes a great gift. Get it now to support this show and strike back against cancel culture. As you know, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob by purchasing from MyPillow. Not only are you helping us out, but you're joining the fight against cancel culture. MyPillow, as you know, not available in big box stores, but you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. MyPillow.com, code word Jerry, 800-893-7406, promo code Jerry. I'll get to Harry. I'll get to Damar Hamlin, too. That's a pretty interesting story. Uh, our boy Turtle Boy's uh, taking a victory lap because uh, because Damar Hamlin's getting better fast. Uh, but uh, I got to get to these votes in Congress. And maybe this doesn't interest everybody, but I'm telling you, I became, I kind of fixated on it because it was so insane. I, again, I used to, I used to, you know, have, I, I still have friends who are Democrats, family members. I know some people used to be Democrats and they saw the light, you know, at one point and they said, these people are insane. Well, I got news for you. They're more insane than ever. If you voted for whoever, any Democrat, you voted for this. They're in lockstep. We went over this last week, you know, when the uh, Republicans uh, had a little fight up there on the hill over the speaker and the, and the Democrats said, oh, it's so embarrassing. We never fight about anything. That is true. They agree on everything. They're a monolith. So if you are a Democrat, this is what you support. I want to focus on three votes yesterday. Obviously, the Republicans are in charge now. They get to set the agenda, so we get to vote on these things. This is just madness. There was a vote yesterday about for, uh, 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 passing a law to force doctors to provide medical assistance to babies who survive a botched abortion. Did you hear that? It's, it's a bill. Should the law require doctors to provide medical assistance to babies? I, I understand this is very, very rare, and you could say it's symbolic. I don't care. The Republicans get to put uh, bills like this up for a vote. Good, good. And, and, and maybe this happens once or twice a year in the whole country. I don't care. We're talking about babies who survive a botched abortion. We remember uh, Governor Ralph Northam, that ghoul governor of Virginia, who said he's a doctor, who said his job was to make the baby comfortable until the mother decide whether she wanted to kill him after birth. It was insane, but whatever. This is what you get if you're a Democrat. This is what they voted on. And I'll just give you the numbers. Do I have a pop that up on the screen again for me, Ironhead? Medical care after abortion, right there. Medical care after abortion. Here was your vote. Democrats voted, uh, how many voted nay? Nay. We do not want to provide medical care after abortion. 220, I mean 210. 210 voted uh, no. You know how many voted yes? One, which I was surprised by. One. One, that would be, uh, oh, shit, I forget. I didn't, uh, I'm not sure which one. One, 210 voted no. No, we will not provide medical care. 
to a baby who survives a botched abortion. You think that's bad. Their rationale, their reasoning was utterly incoherent and unhinged. Do we have any of the Congress people who stood up, including, oh, stood up, that little Weeble, uh, Jerry Nadler, that, that little troll? He attempted to explain his side of this. It's it just, they, it, is, it was a brilliant political move by the Republicans. You're forcing your opponent to explain, to rationalize, to justify why he is against providing medical care for a baby who survived a botched abortion. Let's listen to this, this blob, Jerry Nadler. The problem with this bill is not that it makes anything, that it is not that it provides any new protection for infants. The problem with this bill is that it endangers some infants by stating that that infant must immediately be brought to the hospital where, depending on the circumstances, that may be the right thing to do for the health and survival of that infant, or it may not. That is the problem with this bill. It, it, it um, um, directs and, and mandates a certain medical care which may not be appropriate, which may be endanger the life of an infant in certain circumstances. That's why we oppose this bill. Not wow. Uh, and there was others. There were others said the same thing. Well, you never know. The hospital might be a far, a long drive. We don't want to. F- and and they, they just should have said, we can't do it because our paymasters at Planned Parenthood, the extremists in our party, the Ayanna Presleys, won't let us vote with the Republicans and give them the, the victory. So they voted against 210 to 1 voted against providing medical assistance to a baby who survives a botched abortion, two on the list. Again, if you're a Democrat, a Biden supporter, you voted for this. They uh, they put up for a vote a resolution condemning the firebombings and attacks on churches and um, crisis pregnancy centers. Would you care to guess how this one went, Ironhead? Condemn violence against pro-life facilities. That was the vote. This is something, obviously, Nancy Pelosi would never allow a vote on. Uh, Kevin McCarthy did. Democrats, uh, uh, let me see. Democrats, no, they would not, they will not condemn violence against pro-life facilities. 208. (laughs) What's the, no, I don't, what's the logic for that? Yes, three, three. Two hundred and eight to three, they would not condemn firebombings of churches. This is a party that has lost its way. They're going to tell you the Republicans, uh, pro-life Republicans, are the extremists. These are people that do not want to arrest the, the arsonists, the vandals who are trashing churches and crisis pregnancy centers. They do want. They don't want them arrested. They don't want them uh, caught. Uh, and they do not even want to condemn it. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, let's get to number three. This is the, uh, I forget what it's called, the weaponization of the FBI. It's a resolution to create a panel, a, a special panel to investigate the abuses by the FBI. Now, this is a couple of weeks after, and we've certainly talked a lot about it. Just, just give you one example that we know. The FBI paid $3.1 million to Twitter 
to suppress and censor people that they didn't like, people that questioned them or questioned Biden. That would be the definition of an abuse of power. That would be a scandal by, by any definition, regardless of your party. So they want to investigate these abuses by the FBI, which have been chronicled by the Twitter files. We've talked about it many, many times. The FBI was out of control, uh, attempting to silence, to suppress, to ban its critics, Biden's critics. They, they lied about the laptop and said potential Russian disinformation when they had possession of it and knew it was real. I mean, that is incredibly corrupt. So we want to look into it. Would you like to guess the how this vote went? 221 to 211. Every single Democrat voted against uh, looking into investigating the corruption in the FBI. And they were screaming about it and, and saying it's, it's uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries called it the Insurrection Protection Act because they, they don't want to know how many FBI agents were in the crowd. They won't, don't want to know if Ray Epps was working for the FBI on January 6th. Those are good questions, relevant questions. There should be a January 6th commission, a whole new one, a fair one. We'll even allow, you know, some Democrats on it. But uh, they're going to ask, what was Ray Epps doing that day? Why, why did the uh, Capitol Police open the doors? Why did Nancy Pelosi decline Trump's offer to have some National Guardsmen there? Lots of good questions, which we'll, were not addressed. The whole entire, the former January 6th commission, their report does not mention the name Chris Ray, the head of the FBI, and does not mention Ray Epps, a guy who was clearly working for the FBI. The next one will, because the Republicans have the, have the majority. Thank God they get to look into these things. And I just got to say, before we move on, uh, I, I commend Kevin McCarthy for keeping his word and kicking off committees, Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, and Elon Omar, Elon Omar. I love how this, the, 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 the Democrats and, you know, Rachel Maddow and, oh, we never got to Rachel Maddow's report on the, why don't you remind me if we have time, we'll get to Rachel Maddow talking about the, uh, about the stolen classified documents, but McCarthy had to kick those, those sleaze bags off the committees because that's what Nancy Pelosi did. And, and at the time, people warned Pelosi, well, you can do it, but when Republicans take the majority, they're going to do it. So, of course, he had to do it. And who's going who's to say Adam Schiff belongs on any committee? Who's going to say Elon Omar, a, a virulent anti-Semite, should be on any committee? And Eric Swalwell, who had a long-term relationship with a Chinese spy, of course he has to be kicked off the committee. That's a no-brainer, but I still commend him because I bet you Paul Ryan wouldn't do that or John Boehner, but Kevin McCarthy did it, so that's a good thing. We uh, we appreciate it, but we'll get to we'll get to Matto if we have time. But let me do Shay, and then we'll get to uh, we'll get to we'll get to spare Prince Harry. I know you you watched the entire Netflix uh, special Iron Head. I know you haven't gotten to the uh, book on tape. We're going to give you a little tease of what's in this. Uh, book, which apparently is like the best-selling nonfiction book in the history of uh, the United Kingdom. It's like flying off the shelves. People can't get enough dirt on this dysfunctional royal family. But first, well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down shade concrete. They've got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values 
with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great looking new entrance that will add value to your home. Is not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 to 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. Breaking news, breaking news. We need some breaking news music, Iron and work. Get that, get that for the next time. Uh, today, we have uh, an update. We said they didn't know where they found the next batch of stolen classified material. We have our answer. This, according to the New York Times, the White House said on Thursday that President Biden's team discovered a second set of classified documents from his time as vice president at a storage space in the garage at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. Oh, this is unbelievable. In his garage. You think that's uh, really, really secure? He wasn't vice president. Uh, He stole these documents as he left the White House. He wasn't president. Uh, He he just has a big beach house in Delaware. Oh, this is the Wilmington house. This isn't Rehoboth Beach. We'll get to that. But in Wilmington, Delaware, in his garage, next to his prized possession, his Corvette. Uh, He was asked about this, as always. He had a rambling, incoherent uh, answer. But let's listen to Peter Ducey uh, ask the president about this moments ago. Classified, Classified material. Next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway. It's in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately notified, and the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. I uh, got it. That's the explanation. Uh, his lawyers are looking for more uh, stolen documents. I'm just going to predict. It's not going to end right there. We're going to find more and more. He was very careless. Uh, indeed, he was uh, not uh, not exactly uh, upfront and honest when it came to uh, taking stolen documents seriously. He's talking about a locked garage, so don't worry, it's not on the street. Hunter Biden has access to that garage, <laughs> so that could be anywhere. A locked garage as if that, oh, it's better. Oh, you, oh, you locked the garage door. Excellent. Thank you. We move on. Good luck 
to his friends in the mainstream media spinning this one. All right. Uh, let's do, before we get to Harry, let's do DeMar Hamlin because this one, I'm having a little trouble with this one, mainly because uh, Ironhead, I mean, uh, Turtle Boy's taking a victory lap saying he was, he was right all along about this. Turtle Boy, if you forgot, he was with Skip Bayless immediately after uh, DeMar Hamlin went down with his heart issues on the field and they were giving him CPR. We didn't know whether we'd live or die. Turtle Boy was tweeting about when are they going to play this game? You know, we got to play tomorrow. We got to get this game in. And it, he took some heat for being insensitive. It wasn't a big deal. And to his credit, Turtle Boy didn't go on the next day on the air and start crying and saying he couldn't sleep and he doesn't know if he could do it. That was Skip Bayless's uh, performance. And Skip took a lot of heat from us, not for the tweet, which was stupid, but for his, his, his dramatic performance the next morning saying he was getting choked up saying we didn't know if he could do his job. Anyway, I need, I need to explain for this. Tamar Hamlin was released from the Buffalo hospital. He was transferred from Cincinnati to Buffalo and then he's released. And this seems to be like the first thing uh, he did upon his release. This is a uh, report. Is there a, oh no, uh, a guy named Josh Gergen. He's uh, a trademark attorney and out of Philadelphia. He reported that DeMar Hamlin has filed for two trademarks. One, three is back. And two, did we win? So if he gets these trademarks, he owns the rights to did we win? That one's <laughs> not going to get passed. No way. And what is three is back? I haven't heard anybody say three is back. And by the way, he's not even back, but. I think he's anticipating for when he does make a comeback, those shirts are going to sell and he's going to get a piece of all of them. Uh, I mean, I'm all for capitalism, but I thought he was fighting for his life. <laughs> three mm. is back. I, I'm i over him. I'm over it. You know, I, I wish him the best. Sounds like things are going well. I, I don't think he should play, but maybe. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll he'll make a comeback next year. I know he's going to make an appearance at the, you know, AFC Championship game wherever it is or the Super Bowl. He's going to be a real emotional leader for this team. You know it. This is going to be the theme going forward. But and I guess this is good news. He must be doing much better if he's applying for trademarks, unless it's someone in his family or in his his group who's trying to capitalize on this. It just seems a little. Uh, a little premature at this point to go applying for, is he going to like, we're going to see him on a Super Bowl commercial selling, you know, <laughs> selling uh, M&Ms or Skittles or something. I mean, he just might. Uh, and uh, turtle boy says, proud to say I was one of the brave few who was right from the, <laughs> oh yeah. So brave saying, when are we going to reschedule the game? Well, they're not. I think a, a neutral site AFC title game will be fascinating, although Cincinnati might have something to say about that. But Kansas, we'll, we'll do our picks tomorrow. We, I talked to Montate. We're going to do our picks tomorrow for the playoffs. You are on a roll, Ironhead, so uh, it gives you a chance to continue on your run. But mm. uh, Buffalo loses, and they, they'll never, ever, ever lose to Miami. But if they lose before the AFC title game or before the Super Bowl, going to be disappointing everyone is invested in this drama and they are america's team now and uh they could lose their they certainly didn't look great against the patriots and uh, they won but uh because they returned a couple of kickoffs i I hope buffalo loses so the three is back is just a wasted trademark 
Right. I, I, is he going to make money off that? I don't even know how that works. I, all I know is that when I was on the radio, we were warned like annually, do not say, let's get ready to rumble. He'll sue everybody. Cause he has some system. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Michael buffer, Michael buffer, where he tracks it. And, and if you say it, he gets, he gets alerted and he, he sends a cease and desist letter. And then if you do it again, he sues. And I, I don't think, I think you can say it, but you can't say it like he says it, you know, or imitate him. If you imitate him or play him saying it, he threatens a suit. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't, I, I don't know how that works. Like somebody, if he gets these trademarks, if somebody there in the trademark office feels, pro, uh, feels bad for me. So you can never say, did we win? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Michael Buffer Didn't, is the most on top of trademarks I've ever seen ever. Yeah, yes. and he's probably made a fortune. So oh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't sue; he settles and threatens a suit, and he settles. But I remember we warned about that regularly. It was like part of the uh, sensitivity training. You know, do not make fun of uh, Caitlyn Jenner, and do not imitate Michael Buffer. That was, that was our annual lesson. Uh, but, all right, let's get to spare. If you were thinking about reading the books, maybe we'll spoil it for you. It is this is the cringiest thing I've ever heard. I didn't even know the audiobook was already out. People are tweeting out excerpts from it. This is an excerpt, as as, as you may have heard, maybe not. But he once had frostbite on his wiener, his little royal wiener. Right on his dick. Frostbite. Um, I'm not sure how was he, you know, this is maybe it was while he was killing 25 Taliban. I love this too. He, he said he killed 25 Taliban. Then the Taliban got upset and, he, and then he denied it and said he didn't, he didn't mean it, but he's going to be on a book tour. If you think, if you're sick of him now, get ready. Cause his book tour has just begun. He was on uh, with Colbert and Colbert. He was doing shots with Colbert doing like tequila shots. And uh, he and uh, his, uh, his little honey, they are doubling down. They're going to be everywhere, and he is going to sell a million books. And I guess it's better than being boring, you know, being crazy, because this is crazy. This is a little excerpt. How long is this, Ironhead? Uh, I think it's like 40 seconds. This is him talking about his little frozen wiener and what he did and why, and why he had uh, haunting memories of mummy, as he calls die, mummy, when he was trying to uh, repair the damage done to his little frozen royal wiener. Go ahead, play it. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. The last place I wanted to be was Frost Nippistan. I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me. <laughs> I found a tube, and the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Then I took a smidge and applied it down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, 45 seconds of your, uh, I don't know how many page book spare. He also claims that he was only brought into this world as a, as a vehicle for spare parts for organs in case Harry I mean, not Harry, the other guy, William, the ball guy, needed an organ. Then Harry would be there. They could take his organs. So if Harry needed a kidney, they said, oh, okay, sorry, kid. You're giving up a kidney. We're cutting you up. I guess if William needs a penis, he's out of luck because Harry's was frozen. And 
the ointment that he put on his frozen wiener reminded of a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird back-to-back sentences. It's you know gross. what? We shouldn't prejudge. This book might be funny. It might be crazy. Who knows? But he is not only is the most henpecked guy in the in the world. He is just a lunatic. Talking. Imagine reading that. Writing it is one thing. He read that out loud for the book on <laughs> tape. Yeah, my little frozen wee wee wee, whatever he called it. <laughs> All right, that's your job, Ironhead, to read. I guess you can get the book on tape and just listen. It'd be a little easier, but uh, mm. we will leave it there to, for today. Tomorrow, we're going to do our NFL picks, and I think we're going to Billboard Chris. If you're not familiar with Billboard Chris, he's a activist who... Uh, has a sandwich board that he carries around and, and he goes to uh, these clinics that are mutilating children, these gender affirming clinics, including Boston children's he's exposed a lot of places and he's uh, affected a lot of change. He's doing God's work. He's protecting kids and he's going to do it this weekend in Boston. And we're going to try to get him on to, uh, uh, to talk about his appearance, which are always lively. Sometimes he's by himself. Sometimes he has two or three supporters and then there's the Antifa scum that show up to yell at him. He wants to have conversations. They just want to yell and break things. That's coming to Boston <clears throat> this weekend. So you can, I think you could show up and support him if you show up uh, at Boston Children's around 11 a.m. Saturday. But we'll have more details tomorrow. We will leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.